pray about this series, one of the first names that the Lord gave me for this series was Keith Cole. You can come on up, my brother. One of the things that I absolutely love about Keith is his willingness to serve behind the scenes constantly. And I'm not just talking about here. I mean, so many people, including myself, anything that happens in our home, anything that, um, anything that needs fixing or caring for or tending, he has this willingness to just step into the gap, whatever it might be, and to serve. And he doesn't need the praise. He doesn't need the attention for it. He just has that heart. He and Sue both have that heart. And um, I don't know all of his testimony, but everything I do know about you, I call you a man of God, the son of God. And the integrity that you walk in and the servant heart that you carry, um, I am so um, glad God sent you guys here to serve and to teach us more about how to do that. So be released in the spirit tonight and do as God would have you do, my brother. Thank Amen. You. Thank you. Have platform, we'll travel. <clears throat> Even with the lights, I can see what a good looking bunch. I say that because, well, from my position on high, well, 20, 20 foot above your heads, I don't get a chance to see your faces very often. I'm quite familiar with the back of your heads. I really, I really want to thank uh, the staff for this opportunity. This is uh, nerve-wracking for me. I'm not used to being in front. I, I usually am behind things, hiding. But I really want to thank you uh, for this opportunity. And to say just how blessed we all are by the, by the pastoral staff that we have. Um, I've been in places you don't want to be. And we have a staff who has an ultra high level of integrity. Pastor Ronnie, Pastor Margaret, Pastor Barbie, my brother Wayne, Bruce, Everybody. And, and I've learned so much in being here. I've learned from other people, too. I've learned from, from Brother Allen that you can, still, you can be a man's man and you can still cry. I grew up in a military home that wasn't allowed. So when I was originally asked to do this, I kept thinking, well, they want to talk about waterfall moments. Ugh, my life's not that way. And there was a song that kept coming to my mind over and over again. I knew it was from God. And I remember God confirming it out, standing out in the foyer one day, talking to, uh, talking to Brother Rodney. And I said, you know, uh, I'm thinking about this song that keeps coming up in my head. And I mentioned the song to him. He goes, oh, yeah, I was just listening to that song this morning. And I felt the hair on the back of my head stand up, which is a usual confirmation for me from God that, Yes, you heard right. So I'm going to step way out of my comfort zone. This song is very old. It came out when I graduated high school. I'll bring it up a little bit, Jonathan. 
was young, a child of ten, I heard you call my name. I saw myself and still remember all my guilt and shame. And though I turned to run, you brought me only one step closer. But every now and then I got your invitation And it touched me deep within And though you bid me come You brought me only one step closer I was young and foolish the wisdom of my youth had just deceived me. But you were kind and patient, and in your grace you reached out to receive me. Whoa, whoa. now that we're not strangers, you have given me your all It seems I'm just approaching All the riches of my call Though I don't know much Draw me with your touch Draw me with your touch closer. One step closer is the way uh, my life has been. I don't have a whole lot of waterfall moments, though there are a couple. But for me, it, it's been a matter of a one step in front of the other kind of thing. And I kept thinking to myself, Lord, how is that going to relate to anybody? And, and, and what I felt like I was saying was, there are people who believe because they don't have those waterfall moments. That they didn't get delivered from something right away when they got saved that somehow they're damaged goods, that there's something wrong. And I'm here to tell you tonight, there's nothing wrong. If you're seeking after God with your heart, and he brings you one step at a time. You see, for me, a lot of things come easy to me. Schoolwork came easy, music came easy, fixing things comes easy, and God knew that if he fixed me right away, there'd have been a problem. There would have been a problem. So, throughout my life, as I look back, I can see God's hand reaching out, touching, pushing, guiding. It started before I was born. See, my, uh, my mother's Roman Catholic and my father's Mormon. It was a crazy mixed up world. My mother, desiring to be married in the Catholic Church, had to get a special dispensation from Pope Pius XII in Rome. 
he had to put his seal of approval on them getting married. And he put a condition on his approval. And his condition was that all children had to be raised Catholic, not Mormon. And that kept me out of that. So my dad was a career man in the Navy. And he's my hero. But we moved an awful lot. I went to three different kindergartens. Yeah. Yeah, we, we moved a lot. And you're always having either the friends you make move within a couple years or you move within a couple years. And the, the thing about that is that can, that can really turn you one of two ways. You can either become a person who's very outgoing, makes friends all the time, and is, you know, everybody's best buddy, or you end up like me. You hide in the shadows, and when people get too close, you push them away. Now, Paul prayed about the thorn in the flesh, that God would take it away, and God said, uh-uh. And I've been praying about this for years, and God's working me through it, getting me to the right spot. And I'll give you a little bit of the, the history. Uh, when I was about, oh, about five years old, uh, we were living in Long Beach, and there was a, uh, they call it the Good News Club. I, I don't know what church it was affiliated with. I was too young. But my mom thought it'd be a good idea for me to go. So I went, and, and it was an actual, it wasn't a Catholic organization. It was just a mainline, non-denominational Christian kind of thing. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, I went forward and, and made a profession of faith. Um, really didn't know what I was doing at the time. But they gave me a Bible. They gave me a King James Bible. And I still have that Bible to this day. I would have brought it here, but it really doesn't hold up well to travel. It's been well, well worn. But uh, we, you know, we, we, I, I did that and it was like you know, God calling my name. But at the same time, I kind of walked away. Uh, a few years later, we were uh, sent to, to Scotland for four years uh, and uh, my brother and I were in a, uh, got sent to Catholic school where I became an altar boy and I did the incense and I cleaned the chalice and did all the wonderful altar boy kind of things. And my parents thought I was really going to become a priest. Um, but we left, we left Scotland, we came back to America. I was no longer in Catholic school and I was no longer an altar boy. Uh, but when I was 15, a guy that I knew pretty well on the base, his uh, mother found out about a Bible study that was happening at the house next door. And she told him he was going. And he told me, you're going. You know, because misery loves company. Well, I get in there. Now, what I knew from growing up in the Catholic Church was pretty much nothing because it was all in Latin. I didn't speak Latin. I do know how to sing a song in Latin uh, uh, but I don't remember it now. <laughs> but um, I got in there and they started talking about Jesus like he was a person. You know, like he was real, like he wanted to have a relationship with me. And it started working in my life. I started showing up and being interested in wanting to open my Bible up and read it and look at what they had to say. And then one night they had a, a play down at the Fellowship Hall. Had a group of young people come in and they did a play about the rapture. 
And I remember sitting there listening to that going, oh my. It wasn't that I was afraid that the rapture was going to happen and I was going to go to hell. That was the farthest thing from my mind. What the thing was, was I saw they had something I wanted and I figured if the rapture happened tonight, I couldn't get it. And so that night I made the great exchange. I try not to use Christianese. I gave my miserable, wretched life to Jesus and he gave me his perfect one. And I'd like to say that from that point on, everything was all hearts and flowers. Shortly after that, the naval curse struck again. The leaders of the Bible study were transferred. The Bible study broke up. I had no, no church, no one to disciple me, nothing but me and Jesus. Only problem was, was he was willing, but I was kind of weak. I made it all the way through high school, kept my nose clean. I didn't drink, I didn't chew, I didn't go out with girls who do. But when I turned 18, I turned and ran. And I ran hard. I ran into drugs, ran into rock and roll music, ran into a lifestyle I'm not proud of. The word says that, but God demonstrates his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, and I'm going to stop the verse right there. Because in the middle of my rebellion, God reached out to me and gave me the greatest other than salvation, the greatest gift that he could give any man on earth. And she's sitting, where are she? sitting right there. My wife, Sue, she came and auditioned for the band we were, we were, I was playing in. She auditioned as a singer. And last week, Mike Parker said something about love at first sight. Brother, if you're watching this, I know exactly what you mean. Because the moment I saw her, my heart was gone. We were married about a year later, and this year will be 35 years. But the thing was, she wasn't a believer at the time. And I wasn't walking with the Lord. But God in his love and provision knew what I needed. So I'm playing in this band. And every once in a while, I'm hearing God whispering stuff in my ear. Most of the time, I didn't want to hear it. But God started whispering in my ear, I want you to quit this band. I don't want you doing this. And my first reaction was, ah, yeah, right. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. And God said, you think it's fun? Click. Off went the fun. So being the, the, the clever negotiator that I am, I said, God, if you want me to quit this band, you need to provide me a Christian band to play in. And I thought, no more of it. Because I figured... What chance is that? I don't know any Christian musicians. There aren't Christian bands anywhere around. I'm free. The very next day, my mother-in-law calls to say she had been to a Tupperware party the night before. Tupperware. She went to a Tupperware party and met two young ladies who were in a Christian band, and they needed a drummer. What could I do? I made a bargain. I don't back out of bargains. So I quit the band, went down, met these guys, and was accepted into the band. And to show you how well God worked everything out, they had these huge bass cabinets for their PA system. They didn't have any horns, the high frequencies. I had the horns, but no bottom cabinets. 
We plugged them together and they worked. I played in that band for several years. We did, we did a lot of prison work. I played inside San Quentin, a lot of youth authorities, things like that. And my act cleaned up quite a bit. You know, I wasn't getting high all the time, uh, very rarely. Uh, okay, I, I didn't say I got perfect. But uh, the band, as all bands do, broke up. And the old band leader, who was actually my, my best man at my wedding from the previous band that I had been in that I had quit, said, hey, we're putting a Christian band together. We've got a youth pastor. He's in here, and we're going to do, do Christian music. I thought, great. You know, they were great musicians. I'd sat in with them. We did a rehearsal doing like Matthew Ward tunes and stuff like that. I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. And after that rehearsal was over, they said, hey, <coughs> excuse me, what, what we're going to do is we're going to do some secular music to help fund what we want to do with Christian music so we don't have to charge anybody. <coughs> I fell for it. That was the last time we played any Christian music. Fast forward about a year, and God says, okay, listen, I told you once. I don't want you doing this. And maybe it was my stint playing with a Christian band that I actually listened, and this time I said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit. And if I never play again, it's okay. Whatever you want. Two years he held me to that. I didn't pick up a pair of drumsticks. I didn't play music at all for two years. During that time, my wife's brother got saved, and he started attending a church called Hillview Bible Chapel, which is a Plymouth Brethren Assembly. Now, for those of you who don't know who Plymouth Brethren is, think conservative Baptist. Got that picture? Flaming liberals. Flaming liberals compared to Plymouth Brethren. (laughs) They are the frozen chosen. They they truly are. I I love them dearly. But we started going. And I got introduced to some other musicians. And we formed a band called Alliance. And that band was to change my life. Not that they were any good. We played a lot of places, but hey, we were free. (laughs) But what happened was we played a concert at Idaho State University. And that that night, my wife got saved. Now there were two of us saved. The band had no idea that she wasn't a believer. The lead singer came to my wife and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. We kept things hid. But she accepted the Lord, and now our life together started to matter. Now, I I talk jokingly about the Plymouth Brethren. This is one thing I will say for them. They know the word of God. They dissect the word of God. They are all word and no spirit because they're dispensationalists. Sorry, I'm using a religious term. Ask me later, I'll explain it if you don't know. A dispensationalist church like that, all word, is pretty much dead. I've been to other churches that are all the way over on the other side. They're very much into the woohoo, the spiritual woohoo. They're dangerous. I am so thankful that here at Springhouse, that pendulum's in the middle. We have, we have pastors and elders who take the entire counsel of Scripture. So one thing I learned 
at the, at the Brethren Assembly was from Genesis to Revelation, all of Scripture, all of our understanding of Scripture has to align with the person and purpose of, of God. If it doesn't match what we know about the Father, about the Son, about the Holy Spirit, we're in danger. So, <clears throat> a, few, uh, a few years later and another band down the road, uh, my wife had a flat tire on the van. She needed to go uh, get it fixed. So she went to the place, pulled in. They were going to patch the tire, and she ran into somebody that she knew years ago from this one Baptist church. Um, she hadn't seen her in quite some time, and they struck up a conversation. And she said, hey, your husband plays. You sing. Uh, we've got this new worship leader who's coming out from Tennessee, and she's going to need a band. Would you like to become involved? And so we left the Plymouth Brethren Church and went to the Baptist Church. And we started playing for this gal, Jan. Well, Jan had a house here in Tennessee. So we came out here several times because she wanted to move west. And so we helped her to try to sell her house. Well, after we came out east and south, we realized that she wanted to go west, but we wanted to go east. And so we started praying because we fell in love with the area. We fell in love with the people. You know, we fell in love with, you know, the fact that, you know, you can be a Christian openly here and not have to worry about being ridiculed all the time. I didn't say I ever backed down from it, but it was, it was a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> so we started praying that God would open the doors for us to come out here. And after about a year and a half, two years of praying, he finally said, okay, we sold our house. I quit the job I had had for 16 years and we moved out here with just the money in our bank account and the clothes on our back and, our, and all our belongings in storage. And uh, I uh, started my own business for a while doing contractor type stuff. Uh, got hooked up with a guy out here who... Uh, had, his, had a business doing that, so I worked with him. Guy was a master craftsman, but his wife made a good sum of money. So he really didn't need to work that much. So for about six years, we starved. Yeah, we, it, was, it was rough. Uh, and it was really rough hearing things like, we can't afford that, and no, we really shouldn't spend that money. <clears throat> but I knew that there was a reason why God, call, God called us out here. And... I keep referring back to my wife because in my mind, other than the things that God's done for me, the biggest thing that's happened has been to her. See, after she got saved and for years till we moved out here, she wouldn't even pray in front of me. And now she's leading women's ministries and, and praying for people down here, speaking at, women, at the women's conference, doing all these things. God has, God is in his, in his love and his, in his wisdom has built her up. And, and it's been, it's been a, an amazing, amazing uh, ride. But for me, it's still, I'm still moving one step at a time. You know, uh, going to the Plymouth Brethren Church gave me a love for the Word. Now, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the Word of Truth. Okay, my philosophy on the Bible... If it says, do this, 
He means do this. It's not an option. And I looked up the word study. And it means to apply yourself diligently. It's not a cursory reading of the word. See, to understand the word, you need several components. The first, you need the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, we, were, we were told that when, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And Jesus said of the Father, thy word is truth. So the way I read it, the Holy Spirit's job is to guide me into his word. So you need that component. And then you need diligence. You need to press yourself into it. You need to go, okay, this is hard. Maybe you hated school. Maybe you vowed when you got out of high school, I will never crack another book as long as I live, to try to dig into it. And what I'm going to tell you right now is, you need to dig in and get into it. See, how do you... Well, I mean, the, the word is so, is so packed with reasons why. How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's so many things in the word. You know, we all love those mountaintop experiences. We get up there. I don't know how many people in here have ever been on top of a, of a, of a mountain. And I'm not talking about the hills in Tennessee. Those aren't mountains. They're too short. I'm talking 10, 11,000 feet up. Yeah. You look around up there and you have this beautiful view everywhere you look. You have this unobstructed sun coming down on you. It's wonderful. But if you look around you, where you're standing, there is nothing growing there. Nothing grows there on the top of a mountain at 11,000 feet. I'm sorry. It's rock. Rock and dirt. And you look down in the valleys, there's greenery down there, but it looks shadowy and scary. But that's where everything grows. So you go, well, I really don't want to be down in the valley because, you know, the trees block the light and I become anxious. Once again, the word has an answer for that. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Every phase of life, everything that you go through, you can apply the word of God to. You can pull from your past experiences with God. David, when, when he faced Goliath, he drew on what God had done. The same God that, de- that, that, that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. You know, here was this giant of a man. Huge compared to David. And he said, but you're blaspheming the most high God. He's going to take you down. He never wavered. His brothers got mad at him, thought he was being a smart aleck. Uh-uh. He knew in whom he had believed. Yeah. One, of my, one of my verses that means a lot to me is I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him against that day. It goes for my kids, my wife, my job, my eternal soul, my health. There's a reason why I, I, I really believe in the word and, and, and here's why. About a year ago, I had a persistent cough. So I went to the doctor. And uh, 
Oh, he tried a few things, and then next thing I know, he's doing an x-ray. X-ray showed some spots. Next thing I know, I'm having a CAT scan. They said, well, those spots are about the size of a quarter, and by the way, the lymph nodes in behind your lungs are about 10 times their normal size. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in front of a doctor talking about a biopsy, and he's talking about cancer and ports and chemotherapy and all these things. And had I not had scripture, an intimate knowledge of the word, which is not knowledge for its own good, that scripture knowledge helps us to understand the Father and who He is. The Father who is willing to let us go through things like this. Why? So that He can help us to grow. Because the word is true when he says he causes all things to work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Everything, every aspect of your life, he has set in place to conform you into the image of his son. So, I went through this, went to the surgery, you know, uh, Nowhere near as shook up as I should have been. Doctor said that, well, if if the tests come back right away looking like it's cancer, you'll wake up and there'll be a port where they can inject chemotherapy into you. So I go in and I do, they do the tests, they cut me open. I come back, they put me in recovery, I wake up. As soon as I wake up, I'm going like this. The nurse is going, what are you doing? Well, I couldn't hardly talk. I just said, port. No, you don't have a port. Praise God. They thought I was crazy. They're not far wrong, but... uh, You see, and now I have this right here. People say, oh, that's a scar. No, this is my Ebenezer. This is my stones of remembrance. You see, every time I see this, I see the delivering hand of God. I see the God who saw me through and healed me and kept me from having that. I got, I was in Brother Rodney's class one time. Jonathan, this is starting to really ring. Uh, I went in Brother Rodney's class one time and he was reading some stuff out of Job and he showed me something that I had never seen in Job before. It's a verse where Job says, the very thing I was afraid of has happened to me. And you look at that and you go, well, see, I always struggled with the book of Job in my life. Always struggled with it. The whole thing about the cosmic bet and all that, it's like, that just seemed cruel. But that verse made it all all come come into light. Made everything fall into place. See, God loved Job enough to know that Job had a problem. He was holding on to something. And he said, this is going to hurt, but I've got to take you through this so you can be the man you need to be. And God does that in our lives. That's why sometimes he doesn't take things away right away. I got a good friend of mine, his name is Bill Karens. He was in the Navy. He was a heroin addict, a mainline junkie. He used to dumpster dive to find uniforms that other men had thrown away that he could dress up enough to pass inspection. Because he didn't have the money. Because he had spent all of his money on dope. He came to know the Lord. 
and quit heroin like that. Never had a withdrawal symptom. Never had a desire to do it again. God just completely healed him. I've known other people who have struggled for years before God God delivered them. Why? Because God loves us enough to do what is needed to get us where we need to be, whether it hurts or not. And it's motivated by love. How do I know that? Because I've studied to show myself approved. I've got the word. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and another's voice they simply will not follow. How can you hear his voice? Well, one really good way is to hear his voice in the word. You hear his voice in the word, you, got, you get to know a lot about the character and the nature of God. So when these little thoughts come in your head, you go, mm, wait a minute, that's not right. When someone is learning to detect counterfeit money, you probably have all heard this before, but I'll share it anyway. When people are looking to de- learn how to detect counterfeit money, they never look at counterfeit money. They look at the real thing over and over and over and over and over and again. So when the forgery comes to them, they look at it and go, this doesn't look right. They can't tell you exactly why it doesn't look right, but it puts off the warning belts. It's the same way with us. We need to be in God's presence, in his word, in prayer, constantly, so that we can know what his voice is. This is, how, this is how I try to keep my life together. And I dig into the scriptures. I study things. I, I, I'm right now in the process of trying to write a paper. It's called The Ten, the ten Words That uh, Shook a Nation. Having just come through Christmas is, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Why did it cause such a stir? A little history lesson. Really quick, there was a lot of political garbage a lot of fighting had gone on for hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, Herod saw it coming right on his doorstep. I'll put the paper out when I'm, when I'm done with it. But just so you understand, that's where my heart is. I dig into it. See, what I found is, though the Bible was written to us, it wasn't written or for us, it wasn't written to us. And let me explain so nobody thinks, you know, starts wanting to burn me at the stake or something. What I mean is, it was written to Middle Eastern Jews and first century Christians. And to understand some of the things that they have to say, some of the things that are written in Scripture, you need to understand who it's written to and what it means to them. A good case in point, the, prodigal, the, parable, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son goes to his father and says, Father, I want my inheritance. What did he just say? Dad, I want you dead. I wish you were dead. We tend to think of things in in 21st century terms. When the father sold all the goods, he didn't go to the bank and withdraw money to give his son. He had to sell livestock and property. They said he gave him quite a bit, so he had quite a lot to sell. Probably had relatives living in some of his properties. And they were kicked out in the streets because the property was sold out from underneath them. There's so many things within Scripture. When it says the father ran out to meet the son, do you realize the shame he brought on himself in the village that he lived in? Because the only way you're going to run in robes like that is to lift them up, to run, which exposes the ankles, which was 
just horrible in those days. That was just shameful. But yet it's a parable of what God was willing to do for us. As, and, and, and these, like I said, these are the things that I apply into my life so that I can, so that I can maintain living drenched. Prayer and study of the word. And the other thing is, even though I'm a reclusive kind of individual, I'm here with all you folks, and I love y'all, but it's, it's, and it's hard for me because I'm used to being in the shadows, but it's so necessary for us to be in community within the body. We're built that way. God designed us that way from the ground up and anybody that tries to say, nah, I don't really need that, is a fool. They're deceiving themselves and they're a fool. So, (coughs) I started off my life confused and as I get older, the only thing I know for sure is how much I don't know and how much he's teaching me. But, well, one other event that happened in my life, I I guess I really should share this, was several years back, I went to a men's conference at uh, Maury Davis's church, and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that's what put it all together for me. You see, now I look at Scripture and I see how it's intertwined. I see how the Old Testament points to the New. I see... I'd look at everything and judge it through the word. When someone says something to me, even quoting the word, I go, okay, how does that line up with click, click, click? Uh, maybe not. Maybe I need to do a little bit more work. Maybe I need to do a little bit more research. Wayne, one time, uh, Pastor Wayne called me a ponderer. And uh, I guess that's the truth. I don't really, when I get into a Bible study or something with people in one of the classes, I generally shut up. And it's not that I don't want to be involved or that I don't have any thoughts. It's I'm processing, always processing. I'm a techno geek. It's what I do. Uh, the, Lord has, the Lord has blessed my family. I have three beautiful daughters. I have three wonderful grandkids. I have two great son-in-laws, soon to be a third. And life is really good. Is life without stress? No. Is life without problems? No. But like Paul, I've learned to be content. Because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him against that day. And like I said, it goes for my kids. goes for my wife. goes for my job. I work at Mill Tennessee Electric now. And if you think about it, pray for me tomorrow with this ice coming in. It's going to be really busy. I just hope I can get down my hill. But... I don't have a whole lot more to say. Uh, Will, if you guys want to come on back up. I just want to say that if you feel at all like God, uh, like you're just somehow second rate, if you feel like you're not happening because all the woohoo doesn't happen to you or the waterfall moments or all these things, understand you're okay. And God's got you, and he's moving you, and he's going to get you where you need to be. It's his job, and he takes it very seriously. 
Thank you. Will, I'll turn it over to you, brother.
you would pour out your blessings on this, this, those assembled here and any of those that are watching from home, Lord. May you open their hearts, open their eyes, open their minds that they might dig into the word, Lord. They might get a better understanding of who you are and that it may let them know just how much, how much you love and care for them, Lord. I ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go home, Lord, and uh, be, help us be safe in this weather. In Jesus' name, amen.